Hi there, I'm Jason. And I'm Joseph. And this is the Infinity Cast, where we spill the tea on Marvel and pop culture. This week we're discussing WandaVision episodes one and two, so let's get into it with the recap. In the first episode, newlywed couple Wanda and Vision move into the town of Westview during what appears to be the 1950s. They attempt to blend in, despite Vision being an android and Wanda having telekinetic abilities. One day, they notice a heart drawn on the calendar, but neither of them can remember what occasion it is for. While Vision goes to his job at Computational Services, Inc., Wanda decides that the heart represents their anniversary. Their nosy neighbor, Agnes, introduces herself to Wanda and helps prepare for the anniversary. At work, Vision amazes his co-workers with his speed, but is unsure what his company actually does. His boss, Mr. Hart, reminds him that Wanda and Vision are hosting Mr. Hart and his wife for dinner that night, which is what the heart on the calendar represented. During the commercial break, we get an advertisement for a Stark Industries Toaster Mate Oven 2000. That night, Wanda and Vision struggle to hide their abilities while making a last-minute dinner for the hearts. With the help of Agnes, Wanda manages to put something together while Vision distracts Mr. and Mr. Hart with music. As they sit down to eat, the Hearts ask Wanda about their story. When they cannot explain where they came from, Mr. Hart grows furious and begins choking on his food. At this point, the sitcom format briefly subsides and Vision removes the food from Mr. Hart's throat. Things go back to normal, and the Hearts thank Wanda and Vision for dinner. As the couple reaffirms their love, the events are revealed to be occurring on the fictional sitcom WandaVision, being watched by someone else on an old-fashioned television set. In episode 2, during what appears to be the 1960s, Wanda and Vision begin to hear strange noises outside their house. The next day, they prepare their magician act for a neighborhood talent show so that their neighbors can get used to them. Vision decides to attend the neighborhood watch meeting with his fellow male neighbors. Wanda sees a toy helicopter in color as soon as he leaves. She is distracted by Agnes, who invites her to a women's gathering hosted by Dottie Jones, the snooty leader of the neighborhood, where she befriends Geraldine. The other men welcome Vision, who accidentally swallows a piece of gum that was offered to him. Wanda speaks with Dottie, during which a radio nearby begins to play a voice calling out to her. Once again, she is distracted as Dottie asks who she is before the radio breaks, and Dottie's glass shatters. She bleeds in color, but the two immediately resume the status quo. During the commercial break, we get an advertisement for a Strucker brand watch with the Hydra logo on it. When Vision arrives at the talent show, he appears to be intoxicated and inadvertently reveals his abilities to the neighborhood. Wanda uses her own abilities to make Vision look like he is doing simple magic tricks and teleports Geraldine in for the last trick. Their performance is well-received and they are awarded Comedy Performance of the Year by Dottie. When they return home, Wanda suddenly appears to be pregnant. As she and Vision are about to celebrate, they hear a noise again outside and walk out to find a beekeeper climbing out of the sewers. Disturbed, Wanda rewinds to her pregnancy reveal and the world around them suddenly becomes in color, leading into a 1970s aesthetic. Yeah, that's the show. The show is a metacognitive sitcom revival. There's a lot of talk that I heard when I had the conversations about the show where they weren't getting it. They're like, is this the show? Is this it? And it's because they lack the visual language of understanding at least these two episodes because it's so far beyond the experiences. I grew up with the Dick Van Dyke show and Donna Reed. And I used to watch Bewitched on Nick at Night. I, so I know all this stuff. But I can't, there's people who just don't get it. So for me, this is a treasure trove. This show just, just on its own merits, like just every single trope that's there is so brilliantly spoken. The dialogue, the chemistry. I, I'm loving every single moment of it at every single level. From like the mysteries, from the, the silly wholesomeness of the era. Every little tag and reference to the mcu is there and it, this is this show is like perfect this is like a 10 out of 10 
to me. I enjoy this show more than The Mandalorian. Honestly, uh, yeah, no, I would agree with that. I'm glad that you brought up Nick at Night. Uh, I was a bit young for Nick at Night, but I I grew up on it too. Like I watched it. Like I grew up watching Dick Van Dyke, I Love Lucy, Bewitched. And I do wonder that if maybe you don't have that frame of reference, like you wouldn't appreciate the way this show just actually like goes for it and commits to it. Commits perfectly to it. Like this is the show. This is the era. This is the kind of dialogue. This is the kind of jokes the jokes are still like tongue in cheek MCU jokes. You know, they're talking about flying sauces and, and visions indestructible head. Yeah. I was going to say a little too soon. Not, not so indestructible head, but it's like one of the first lines of the show. And they were already, they're like doing references like that and giving teases like that. So I'm just like, every piece of dialogue is like, yes, it's a 1950s or 60s sitcom, but it is Wanda and it is vision and they still have their histories and they're still going to reference those things. I have a hard time, like, I'm not going to sit here and rant like the way I did with Discovery because I, there's nothing for me to rant about. I'm just looking at the show and watching it and just loving it and getting giggy. You know, it's just, it's, it's just, I'm pure giddy about it. Even like the first couple seconds of the show in the opening when Vision walks in and then like phases through that Ottoman instead of falling like on top of it, like Dick Van Dyke, I was like, I get this. I, I understand this reference. Exactly. And it's like, holy shit, the amount of work and effort that the writing staff had to do in order to make it uh, as, as, a, as an homage and as an in-world joke is beautiful. One of the things that I can't stop watching when I'm watching is this, those commercial breaks. Um, someone was talking about like maybe that's that's Wanda's parents. I'm pretty sure that those two characters are representations of Wanda's parents. And just the content of both of those commercials, they both seem to relate to Wanda's traumas. Yes, both of them are Wanda's trauma. One of them is obviously the Stark bomb. You know, the beep, beep, beep. I mean, even the woman's look, it was like, it was, it was like welcoming, but it was also kind of awkward and a little like terrifying at the same time. That the performance of that woman in that, sh in that shot alone, like I can't, I can't get over it. It was just, it hit all the right notes for it being creepy and terrifying yet still authentic to the time. Um, the wallpaper behind it was covered in diamonds, like Vision's Mindstone symbol. There was all these references in there. Did you catch the uh, Iron Man repulsor sound when they pushed the toast down? <laughs> no, I missed that one. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. It is the sound of his repulsor. Yeah. So that's all Iron Man all the way being traumatized by that as kids. And then the second one, it struck her and the whole room, all the lighting in that one is, is them in a cell. You know, her and her brother were in prison when they were being experimented on. They were in those rooms. So that's there. That's a trauma of being created by Strucker. Had the Hero Hydra logo on it and everything. Did you catch how Wanda's Sokovian greeting in, in the first episode was similar to the way that she mindfucked with Tony Stark in Age of Ultron? Uh, no, I did not. I hadn't seen Age of Ultron in a long time, to be honest. She comes up from behind and kind of like... No, I did not pick up on that. Now that I'm remembering the scene, though, it's there. Wow, shit. See, it's things like that. Like, this is... It's just so fucking perfect. All the little things. Everything is done with intention. It's really fulfilling as a fan. Yeah, it is. And maybe we're a little starved for MCU content and this being what it is, we're just like, oh, everything is amazing. But I, I, it truly is. Like for someone who I, I grew up on television, I love everything from the from the 50s sitcoms all the way to where we are now. The evolution of the sitcom is not lost on me. It, and this hits all the points and I'm so excited to go forward into the future. Something that I thought was interesting is when Vision was at work 
in the first episode and he's questioning what they actually do at his job. It was interesting. It felt like Vision was maybe like kind of questioning the nature of the reality. There's two things here. One, we're making a nice joke about the fact that everyone in these shows had a job at an office, but we have no idea as an audience what they do. It was always very vague. Yes, very vague. So we're making that joke on the sitcom trope and and the joke is done perfectly. But we're also realizing that Vision is not going to let go when he has a question. Vision is going to keep pushing and pushing, and I'm pretty sure that's going to be what causes a problem. That's always been in the comics, specifically uh, when Vision starts to unravel the realities around him with questions, trying to get to the truth. That's what's going to be. What's going to be? It's going to be a problem, and I think it's going to make a problem for uh, for Wanda because if Wanda's responsible for all this, if Wanda is going through the motions and making all this reality, she wants Vision to just accept and she said it she said it like let's just all blend in and do this but he's still going to like try to figure it out and that's i think the gum it was a representation of that i think you know everything's a metaphor here so i when the helicopter was like a drone or the helicopter that rambo came in on or it was the or the gum was like all right stop asking questions vision because we're gonna have to shut you down and we don't want that so here have this have this gum and shut the fuck up and stop asking questions and stop taking this seriously. Like, I think that was, this was all very intentional. And yes, they work within the tropes and it's hilarious, but there's things happening underneath the scenes, you know, just like the end credits, just like all the, 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 the canyons of RGB that exist between the frames that create the, the actual visual of the television. All this stuff is happening underneath. You know, and I think that's what makes the show so unique. Something that popped up in both episodes and something that I believe is definitely something that we should be taking note of, children. Yes. Well, the whole the, the whole second episode, Agnes was like, oh, talking about the children and the schools. And Wanda was like, oh, don't get ahead of yourself. She didn't have an interest in having kids at that moment in time. Right. Going back even to the first episode, things started going off the rails. Well, I mean, the entire dinner. Hilarious off the rails but things started going off the rails as far as like this illusion breaking down when they were starting to ask about wanda and vision's story and one of the questions that mrs hart asked was why don't you guys have children and then arthur started like questioning the reality he started really like damn it why tell us like what where did you come from why are you here and then immediately once he starts questioning the reality he starts choking. And then it was almost like Mrs. Hart was breaking from the reality and she was begging Wanda to stop it. And and it was interesting because Vision didn't seem like he could move or act until Wanda gave him permission to. Wanda had to do something. And he was just kind of waiting and just it was awkward. And it was like, okay, this is what's going to happen. That He's going to die. But, you know, eventually Wanda was like, just go, go help him, Vision. And he's like, yes, okay. And that's it. That she has, She still has to call the shots. And as, it confuses me. Because like the way they're phrasing in the in the radio transmission, like who's doing this to you, Wanda? Who's doing this to you? But I I feel like if she's being manipulated, she's being manipulated in a way to make it. It's still all of her choices, you know. And I know from the comic books, like she gets a little crazy. She's she definitely gets a little nuts. So she is easily manipulatable, and she's easily triggered by emotional trauma. The theory sometimes is that Agnes is doing it you know agnes has been pushing buttons she's a noisy neighbor uh, i think she represents you know agatha harkness uh, who is her original teacher i definitely think that she's 
supposed to be Agatha Harkness. Yeah, she's being manipulated by who was once her teacher in this regard and extending her powers. Like she's there for it. She's there to indulge her and to make sure that she's kept on this journey. So Agnes, I think, is that character. She is the one who might be responsible for the manipulation there. I think that she's part of it, but I think it goes deeper than Agnes. I think someone else is manipulating the situation. And there are a bunch of hints for Agnes being Agatha Harkness. One, in both episodes, she's wearing a brooch. In the comics, there's a brooch that Agatha Harkness wears. And then also in the uh, in the Bewitched-styled animated opening in the second episode, which I love, by the way. Oh, it was amazing. I love that we're getting new openings every time. In the background, in like the little scene where the animated Wanda is like grocery shopping, there's like a poster that says Auntie A's, which is like a reference to agatha because in the comics she's called auntie agatha at some points and it has a cat on it and i think if a cat is like her familiar in the comics yeah agatha had a cat i don't remember the cat's name but it had a black cat agnes has to be agatha i think that that's where it's definitely going basically agnes is not the only one if she is just a messenger kind of a thing she's just working with whoever it is to keep manipulating them you know then it's those individuals versus sword so i think sword sending people in to like help the situation. You know, that's how Rambo got in in the first place. Possibly on that toy uh, helicopter. Definitely on that toy helicopter. Like that was the way she got in and that's the way Wanda interpreted the data. You know, so I'm saying everything has is real world, but it's going to be metaphorical within the show's universe, within the sitcom trope about what it is. So could have been a big helicopter, could have been a ship, could have been a drone, could have been anything. But it got interpreted as a red and yellow, very Tony Stark colors helicopter. Yeah, and that's another thing. Just the visuals in this show. The first three things that appear in color are all red, which I think is a reference to her being the Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch and the the, the color of her powers. You know, and like her, her powers themselves, despite being derived from the Mind Stone, she kind of has the powers of the reality stone. Like, even the even the color and the way her powers do their thing, it constantly reminds me of the reality stone. I mean, yeah, essentially she is capable of manipulating reality, as we are very much seeing in this show. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I think she's definitely in partial control, perhaps, like, subconsciously until, like, moments, like, at the end of the second episode. But I definitely feel like she's also lost in it. She's not in full control. Almost like she puts, like, a memory spell on herself so she can engage and be in the universe. And thus, she is a citizen of that universe. And then when it it triggers her out, she's like, oh, shit, I got to fix this. And then she goes right back. Like, she'll do anything in order to keep in this world and be safe. So I... At the end of the second episode, when they're colorizing her, what it, what it really means that she's doing is she's jumping realities. She's jumping to another one that is not going to have that beekeeper guy. And she's trying to get away from this. You know, so she went back in time. She rewinded everything. She jumped to another set and another show. And as a result, she hopes to not be found by sword. That guy had a sword logo on his back, so... I'm pretty sure in actual reality, like he was just wearing like a containment suit. But when he entered this reality, he became a beekeeper. Something that was said uh, during the second episode, during the ladies meeting at the pool. This is my thought for the end game of this season. Someone said the devil's in the details. And Agnes said, that's not all he's in. Ah, so you're you're pulling that a Mephisto. I, I could be completely wrong. I think Mephisto is the end game on this. 
which for the listeners, those who might not know, Mephisto is Marvel's kind of the devil. Yeah. There was a lot of talk about Mephisto being involved in Moon Knight. I think he could be involved in both. I don't know. I feel like I need more information to go that. I was never a big fan of Mephisto as I feel like it just gets too biblical. Another thing that makes me think that Mephisto might end up being behind all this is the constant repetition of for the children. Because in the comics, spoilers, Wanda and Vision have kids through like Wanda's magic. And eventually it's revealed that those two kids are fragments of like Mephisto's soul. And eventually her kids have to stop existing and she loses her goddamn mind and creates like an alternate reality. Agnes makes her forget the kids even exist because it's, it's she's going to lose her freaking mind. And that's why I'm saying, that's why I said like, I think Scarlet's going to be an antagonist in, in multiverse of madness, because I think the more we push Scarlet, Witch, the more she's going to lose her mind and the more damage she's capable of doing. And if Agnes is teaching her all this stuff, then she's getting more and more powerful as we go through this reality. So by the end of the show, she'll be extremely powerful. And if anything goes wrong, it's going to be boom, goodbye. You know, like the potential damage. So even if it's unintentional, she's not intentionally trying to hurt someone. I, I think just like in the House of M, we're, we run the risk of splitting all the universes apart. And that's why we're going to get Spider-Man the way it is. That's why we're going to get... Uh, Doctor Strange the way it is. It's because she did something and we have to stop her. And not not, not in a she's a horrible person kind of a way, but as an antagonist, like you are causing damage and we have to stop you. We have to help you by stopping you. That kind of brings me to the back and forth that she has with Dottie at the end of that meeting when she's cleaning up, where Dottie kind of breaks from the false reality and is like, I've heard things about you. And Wanda's like, I, I don't know what you heard, but I don't mean you any harm. And I really just want to be left alone kind of vibe. And, and you know, Dottie was just like, I don't believe you. Once there's that little break from the false reality, that's when we get the radio. It sounds like we have Agent Jimmy Woo, potentially of S.W.O.R.D. on the radio. And then that glass breaks and she snaps out of it. It's like every time that this reality gets questioned, something happens to distract and like get out of it and move past it. Because even Wanda gets in that like state of, I don't know where I am. You know, it's like, so is she really in control? Is she just a, a victim of this too? Because I feel like everyone who's in there is there by intention. Like everyone's just stuck in this, in these realities now. And they're going with it. Whether it's because they got there or they are accidentally put there. You know, again, we I believe Rambo was sent in there by, by S.W.O.R.D. But the others, maybe they were part of a lab and they all got sucked into something accidentally. You know, this is this is like Wizard of Oz territory. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely not in Kansas anymore. It's a, it's a fascinating exploration and it's hard to review and, or to really to form too much of an opinion beyond saying this is amazing. I'm just all in for it. This is going to be a, a, a 10 part episode that we're probably not going to really have any answers to until we get to the end. The dialogue is so charming. I, I I find myself laughing out loud. It's so damn good. Little little bits of it. Ugh. Even like Wanda's inflection, like 1950s, 1960s, like inflections when she's delivering her lines, like it's pitch perfect. Yeah, I told my friend this. Like it sounds like she is from that era. That she's from that era and a little bit from Chicago. Like that's 
that's the way they they sounded back then. Her little expressions, her little micro expressions, like when she opens the refrigerator, that's why the refrigerator is empty. Hmm. And she does this cute little thing with her neck and her lips. It's just, oh my God, you are so cute. You're too cute. I was going to say, especially in the second episode, all of like the like magic show stuff with her, like her expressions are so, so cute. Yeah, when when Vision's basically drunk and like closes the, the the doors of the of the disappearing cabinet, and she's and then looks over to her, I was like, "What's wrong? Why isn't this working?" And she's just kind of like, "Hi, what's up?" You know, it's just so cute. Let's talk about Gum Drunk Vision because that is the best part of both of these episodes, I think. <laughs> yeah, Gum Drunk Vision was amazing, and even he acknowledged it after when he tried to make a joke. He's like, oh, "Just coming up the works. Uh, it's just not fun unless I'm on it, isn't it?" Flourish flourish oh so good like so many good just quotes and lines from that section like where uh vision says humans are easily fooled due to their limited understanding of the universe i was just like yep that's true yeah that's true and everyone's just watching as they insult him it's like oh you, all you uh all you ignorant faces are all astonished mm. <laughs> oh, God. that was my grandmother's piano oh poor jones Poor Jones. He's, he, he's going to be the guy that I, it, I just feel like is going to always have a line every episode where it's just something bad happened to him. You know, talking to Mr. Hart in the, before, it was just like that you're, you're, you're poor excuse for, for entertainment. The string quartet and that beatnik, you know, stuff that you had going on. I wore a turtleneck. Like, oh, come on, man. It's like, oh, that was my grandma's piano. Mm. It's just so sad and awesome. I love it. Poor Jones. Also, that one girl. Is that how mirrors work? <laughs> Poor Wanda, constantly just trying to keep up with Vision and, and recreate ways to like make all the magic tricks work. You know, like within the joke, it's just the pulley system, the mirrors. Poor Rambo, who got stuck in there doing it that time. How'd you do it? Well, a magician never reveals the secrets except to his assistant, and the assistant's not talking. I didn't think that Monica Rambeau was actually going to show up that soon because we hadn't seen any footage of her like in the in the black and white era. It's going to be interesting to see how her character develops as well. And I want to know, I wonder if she is fully aware of the situation or if she's locked into it as well. Either Rambeau is like playing the character so she can do her mission or she is, as soon as she entered in there, she ended up being part of the simulation as well. Yeah, I really can't say. You know what I've definitely learned by watching these two episodes? I love Paul Bettany. Yeah, and I, th I, I think I ranted last time about him not getting the proper respect and endgame that he deserved considering his representation, and I, I, I just feel it wholeheartedly even more so after watching this. Like, he is such a big part of the MCU. Watching the Legends episode, it was like, uh, yeah, he's fucking Jarvis. He, he's an evolved Jarvis. Now he is Vision. Thank you, Paul Bettany, for doing all this because that it makes this carry through all the more beautiful you know he's trying he is vision whether he's completely resurrected or just an illusion um he is vision and he's trying really hard to be what wanda needs him to be in this time i was struck by his acting in this in like both of these episodes he would be an amazing doctor he's very david tennant-esque in a lot of his delivery he's got the the performance vibes of a magician and that's a very good state for being a doctor who doctor you know, the, the presenter, the the maestro, if you will. He's got that vibe. But he also has the awkwardness, which you could see during the sing-along. The timing on that whole thing, when he's looking at, it's like, 
trying not to call his boss a pig, but the wife doesn't care and just going to keep this thing along going. For him doing yakety yak, it just he really committed to it. I fucking love it. Thank you, Paul. One question that I have is Norm a communist? I'm pretty sure Norm is a communist. <laughs> I think that, that I think to vision he was just being vision and being truthful because he's not that he's not going to lie, but <laughs> he's pretty sure Norm is a communist. That oh man, I love that neighborhood watch scene. It was so good. I always thought you were kind of square, Vision. I'm as round as they come. It's my understanding that this that gum is for purely mastication purposes. I don't I don't do that. I don't do that. <laughs> I'm looking awkward. I want the yak the yak song to be a thing now. I hope that as the show goes on, by the time we get to episode ten, this nice romantic moment and yak the yak comes back. I mean that's their song. We got to watch the conception of the children during the bed scene, which was so brilliantly done. I think we handled that well. Yes, I think I'm very proud of us. Yeah, I love that they had the twin beds because that is very much I Love Lucy. Yeah, and then it just came together and we were suddenly in the 70s, you know, where it was more acceptable to know that parents shared the same bed. Because before then, it was sacrilege to even assume that. One other thing that I noticed, at the end of both episodes, when the program is like fading out, there's like a hexagon pattern. And then also on the Cabinet of Mysteries, there's a hexagon pattern. I was wondering if it was just a reference to the fact that like her magic in the comics is referred to as like hex bolts. Maybe I was thinking that originally it was just part of the sword logo system or the texture from that. I'd have to look at it again. Something that is a really small reference that you might not have noticed in the first episode when the WandaVision episode ends and it has like the credits. It's directed by Abe Brown, who is a minor character from Spider-Man Homecoming. He's one of the kids that goes to Peter Parker's school, and he's in the like the science decathlon like team. And in the sequel, he's one of the kids who had not been snapped away, so he's already graduated from Peter's school. So I kind of wonder if like maybe he was snapped up by Sword. Yeah, I guess maybe. That's a possibility. The other names I kind of looked into and I couldn't find anything, but Abe Brown was a character in the first Spider-Man movie. So very small reference. Yeah, but still a reference. That's still like, like those, I feel like there's going to be hundreds of those little things bouncing around. Another tiny reference is the date on the calendar in the first episode. It was August 23rd. It's supposedly a nod to Avengers 238, which is a story where vision is reactivated. So like it's, it's, it's a, it's a vision coming back to life story. Yeah, so again, just a little quick little nod of the spirit of the of the date and what it represents and the, the title of the book. Okay, that's cool. It's, God, it's just, there's so many. There's so many of these little tiny nods in it. It's so com- compacted. Yeah, another, another very tiny nod is in the first episode, the tie that Vision's wearing is very similar to a tie that he wears in the Tom King run of Vision where he builds his own family like i know that story very well i love that i love that trade so much i haven't read it but i i have a feeling that like we're gonna get bits and pieces of it yeah i cried during the end of that 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 was intense shit there is another subtle reference that is like literally like blink and you miss it in the animated opening scene in the second episode when cartoon vision is like phasing through the floor going downstairs in the floorboards there's like a helmet that looks like the Grim Reaper's helmet from that same run is in that run. I think uh, Mrs. Vision kills the Grim Reaper and like buries his body. And there's also like bones in like the 
in the opening, like in the floorboards. Ah, and meanwhile, they were out talking about Vision having not having skeletons in the closet. I don't have a skeleton, sir. Another small thing, not a reference, but hilarious. During that dinner in the first episode, Mr. Hart's like, you're a little dense, aren't you, Vision? And in my head, I'm like, he's made of vibranium. He's very dense. He's very dense, extremely dense. And he can get even denser if need be. He can change his density. I was waiting for a commentary on that moment. I just want to say also, I absolutely love that Dottie is played by Emma Caulfield. It's great to see her again. I haven't seen her since she played Anya on Buffy. And I'm just so delighted that she has a nice little uh, meaty role where she gets to get, gets to play again. It's, oh, this is Dottie was a perfect thing. I want to see what she who she is as we go move forward to the sitcom universe. Yeah, I'm kind of interested to see if she's important going forward because according to Agnes, she's the key to this city. Yeah, so I want to see what who everyone is, who their real who their real counterparts are at the end of it. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how this keeps going. I will say the one downside, although this is this goes hand in hand with like the short sitcom format. The episodes are very short. They're very short, but we're at least we're getting 10 of them and not six. You know, like we're, we're getting a decent amount of them, but they are short. When I pause it right before the credits roll, I feel like half of the episode is taken up by credits. Oh, yeah. The credits are like six minutes. Yeah. Like it's 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 a lot of credits for a small amount of actual show. I'm hoping that we get as we get closer to the end of the season, we start getting longer episodes because I feel eventually like we're going to have to break out of this false reality and deal with what's actually going on. Yeah, and there there will be. There will, I think there will be some break. It'll probably be when it's less of a visual jump because we've seen footage of Vision flying through the air looking above like an 80s or 90s, you know, style suburbia. So it'll probably be maybe around then, you know, that we'll get that or or the end sequences of the episodes as we get further will get a little bit more involved. The fact that this show is like this and that it exists is mind-blowing to me yeah it speaks volumes about how like basically marvel's like we're just gonna go for it we're going to experiment we're gonna play we're gonna see what happens and we're gonna we're gonna make it work for ourselves and there are some people who don't like it who who are complaining who are thinking it's just too weird or too off and those people are morons and that's fine you know i i don't i respect their opinions but their opinions are wrong you know, there's people who who believe all lives matter, not the Black Lives Matter thing. And those people are wrong. And those people who think the show is weird and off-putting. And those people are wrong. I find them to be equal. But we get what we have here is so unique and so fun. And yes, you have to have the language. You have to have the education. You have to understand it in a way that is connected to all the stuff we got in the past and to fully appreciate it. I get that. And I, not everyone has that. I understand it, but it's it's so fucking beautiful. And they took a chance, and I'm so happy they took a chance on this. And it's not just a straightforward narrative. Like it's just so much fun to put it together. You know, we're, we're we got nothing. I mean, like we have all these little tidbits and and little nods here or there, but until we get a little bit further down, those are still like random pieces of a jigsaw puzzle that we do not know the picture of. And I like that. Like, I'm I'm fine with just going along on the ride for this one because I'm entertained at every step of the way. This is this is such a this is just a brilliant show. 
it's not like watching other things where I'm just like, oh, this doesn't make any sense. I don't fucking care. I'm over it. This is it doesn't make any sense. And I love it. Keep it going. I was having a hard time believing that people on Reddit were upset with this show. And there are some. Yeah, there were a lot. Like there's a, people I've had conversations with and they're all and the people who are and it's not a lot. But like the people who are having issues give me the same thing. They just don't. Oh, is this all the show? This is all we're getting. It's just going to be sitcoms. And I'm like, that's the joy of it. We don't. And if you're not on board for that, then you're not going to get the show. And that's it. Bottom line. This show isn't for you then. I'm sorry. This is not something that you, you've been educated about or you just don't like sitcoms or whatever it is that's bothering you. The fact that your reference are just saying, oh, is this all it is? Like, I need more. I wait. Where's the, you know, like, where's the action? Where's the real stuff? I'm like, this is all real stuff. This is just done through the, a very specific lens. And if they're not getting it, they're not understanding it, then I, I don't have sympathy for you because I think you're stupid. And also just have patience. We're 40 minutes into like, you know, like a seven to nine hour story. You know, this show is going to be an intensely slow burn, especially if we keep getting episodes this length. But yeah, I believe it's completely worth it. Completely worth it. I mean, but we're getting so much. And like people are saying slow, like slow this, slow that. Like I've watched the show four times. It's still shit I'm not seeing because it's just so much. It's like you're going to see something new every single time you watch the show. Little nuances here or there. And that's what makes it so amazing still. It's like the rewatchability is is so on point. I'm just glad to actually have a show that connects to the actual Marvel Cinematic Universe and matters and I feel like watching it is going to be reciprocated in the movies and in the shows that follow it. Like that's, it was the one downfall of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. As much as I love that show. And also also the, all the Netflix shows. Like I, I love them to varying degrees, but they never impacted the story. They never were a part of the, the, of the full-on MCU world. They were just like, meanwhile, in a back alley somewhere, People who you don't really care about and will never affect anything else in the rest of the show or the universe are having uh, are having a fight. And here it is. You know, I mean, I'm like, I love Daredevil. I love Jessica Jones. I love Luke Cage. Talk about Iron Fist. And they were good shows in their own right. But they, you didn't feel like they belonged in the in the MCU completely. It was just not. You didn't feel their connectivity. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. There certainly was no connectivity after a point. But this, I feel it tooth and nail. This is part of the MCU. And I think that's the point moving forward. That's what they're going for. But when you were saying like, oh, the Netflix shows and they didn't matter. I'm just like, there are dragon bones under New York and no one talks about it. (laughs) (laughs) And there's the problem. It's like, and that's my issue with Iron Fist is that it got weird. It got a little weird. I'm fine with things going weird as long as that weirdness matters to the universe at large, you know? But it doesn't. It's just weird for weirdness sake. And it's like these big epic set pieces that they think is going to move us as an audience. And it doesn't because it doesn't matter. And it's not a part of anything. Like if that dragon was going to get up, kill a whole bunch of people, and then we have the Avengers show up. Awesome. Great. We're all together. And it's the Defenders and the Avengers taking on a fucking dragon. I'd love it. I'd be there for it. I want to see the dragon poop on, on the East Village. I want to see the dragon rip and tear a whole bunch of people in Midtown apart. Tourists are taking pictures before they become like dragon candy. I want to see that dragon pick those people out of their mouth. I want all of that. But it didn't do anything. It didn't matter to anything. It was just like, oh, there's an ancient dragon and we need their bones. And 
That's the secret of immortality. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's what the whole was about. All the crime syndicates, all that, that the, the weird, you know, Chinese lady, all the all this stuff is just because of this. And it's just because, oh, some of us really like being immortal. Oh, all right. Thanks. I hate it. Bye. And, you know, it's Defenders was a big disappointment because it was relying so much on Iron Fist mythology, which I loathe, especially in that first season. Iron Fist became a real show because of Colleen. Iron Fist became a real show in the in this last episode, in the last five minutes of the second season, when you got like you got the Iron Fist you wanted, which was just everybody being these badass superheroes running around the world, getting involved in espionage or Bond like secret mission kind of things. Like that's the the, the tease for what season three might have been is all the Iron Fist that I want. Like that's it. That's that's what we needed. That's what we deserved, and we did not get. I just want Danny Rand to have a cameo in Shang Chi where he just gets owned. I don't think they're gonna go that far to to do that, but maybe in Deadpool. I have mixed feelings about that because I'm unsure of how that that is going to work. They're still doing a, a rated R thing. Like I think they're still doing that, and they're giving Ryan Reynolds a lot of control. So I I don't know how they're gonna do it, but I trust marvel and i trust the people that they have in charge i trust kevin feige and you know what i think they've earned that trust and i'm sure however they make the story going forward will be the vet the best version that we can hope for at this point it's a very exciting time to be a marvel fan nothing that dc is doing yet even comes close the drought is officially over joseph the drought is over the rains have come and we are here for it all right so make sure to like subscribe and please tell your friends you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at InfinityCast, spelled infinite A cast. And you can email us at infinitycast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Jason. And I'm Joseph. And we'll see you guys next week. How do you reference a magical dragon in a television show multiple times and never show the damn dragon?